Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Associates are judged by hours. Partners are judged by business. Firms need business, whether the firm's a large or small firm. And this is what you need to do. You need to learn how to get business. People hire experts. They don't hire people that do a bunch of different things. I think it would be for you if you're, whether, regardless of whether you're a senior attorney or a junior attorney, one of the more important webinars that you ever attend, just because of the subject matter and what I'm going to talk about today. And a lot of what we're talking about is things that have really been motivational for me in terms of even starting in this recruiting business and and then helping people in during my time as a recruiter. So it's the, the title is seven steps that you need to take. There's really actually probably eight. So I think I would revise this if I were to do it right now. But just to give you an overview of what I'm talking about, when you get more than five years of experience in a uh, in a law firm, or and, and what happens is you start being a liability there, and and so even though you're doing work and the law firm may be making money off you, if you don't have business, it, it just starts creating all sorts of problems in your career. And essentially, what happens is instead of being in control, like you feel when you're an associate and a young associate, and people are trying to hire you and so forth you actually start losing that control. And when I say losing that control, I mean that you start having very little power. People that are older than you or younger than you, are the wor- it's easier for the firm to give them work because your billing rates are lower. You're, if you don't have business, it becomes people become like almost doing you a favor, giving you work. And it's just a very difficult thing. And, and in my experience, when you get to that point, if you don't have any business, it's a, it can be a horrible existence for people. And, and I see people that are having problems with that all the time. And it can be very problematical. So that's what I'm covering today and talking about. One just aside that I'd like to give images and ways to think about this is when you're a, an associate and you're starting out, you're essentially like a soldier and your, your job is to follow orders and to, to do things for people. But at some point, which is usually five or six years on, you're expected to learn how to transition into being what I would call a general or someone that's able to control things and is bringing in business and getting work from people and then just directing people below you. And most people don't make that transition. And what happens is if you don't make that transition, you end up basically being an aging soldier, which is not good because you don't have the enthusiasm and the drive and stuff that many times you had when you were much younger. And and so that's a gist of what I'm talking about today. And people don't like older soldiers. They like younger soldiers. And it's just how the business has always worked. And I'm not condoning this, but that's just how the business works. And so it's your job really to stay vital and to stay relevant and strong and to be able to essentially take back your power. And the only way to do that in a law firm environment is really to get business. And I'm going to talk about that today. But And then if you don't do that, there's other things that you need to do. Again, my whole career has been about this idea. And this is how fundamental it is. I was at a firm. The second firm I was at in Los Angeles had ridiculous billing rates that were like New York billing rates. And I realized as a third-year associate, even though I was bringing in business, the amount of money I was charging compared to just other top LA firms was twice as much. It didn't make any sense for people to hire me. And and so I realized if I stayed there, I would probably never get a book of business that was enough to have a power over my career, at least 
at that firm in LA. And the first firm I was at had so much work that they actually didn't need people to bring in business. Now, it's not like that anymore. But when Quinn Emanuel was a very young firm, they had so much business. All they needed was soldiers. They could make, they wanted to make people partner, even if they didn't have business. They didn't care because they had so much work that was coming in. So I saw two extremes, one firm where it was impossible to get business, one firm where there was so much work, they didn't even really, they just needed your hours to make money. And so this whole thing just gave me the idea that it wasn't, didn't make sense for me to continue in a law firm. And that's one of the reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing today. This is a very big topic and it really does control what happens to you in your career. And and then, of course, when I got into the recruiting realm, which I'm at now, and now um, this whole thing I see all the time. I see attorneys that get senior and then they don't have any business and they want to figure out if they should leave their firm or they should go on house. And so they it's like clockwork. They're just contacting me every single day. Big firms all over the country faced with that dilemma. So this is a big topic. It's, it is very important. But more so, even if you're in a firm where you think everything's okay and you're senior, I'm going to give you a little bit of information and tell you why you may not necessarily be safe. And so nothing is really more important to your career than having business and, and knowing the steps you need to take if you don't have business. And again, not everyone as business. I'm going to talk about in future webinars, maybe in the next week or two, the importance of how to get business and how to get work. And I talk about it every every webinar because it's so important. But when you get six years, seven years of experience, you don't have a lot of business in all but the healthiest firms, meaning firms with a lot of business, more work than they can handle. And they can make these people, they make you a partner and pay you a big income, but it's not really a real partnership. You've just got this title and you don't have control over your career anymore. You become a liability and, and your job is at risk. There's lots of firms out there that have a lot of work and can make people partner without business, but the firm is still in control. And that's part of the problem that you face. And if you're in a situation in a firm where you don't have a book of business or any work and you're getting senior and you're worried about your future, even if a firm does make you partner, they may make you like an income partner. And so you're still not a really a partner and the firm you're in, you're at the firm's mercy, essentially. And again, I just want to explain this to you, what happens. So if you're an income partner in a firm, even if you make partner in a firm, what happens is the firms will lay people off a lot of times that are income partners or it's not secure. The only way to be secure in a law firm is to have business. Or there's other ways too, which I'll talk about in a minute, but, but to be secure and to have power over your career, you need business. Attorneys that don't have business and you get senior, you have, these are the following choices you have. One is to go in-house, which is what most people do. It's just whatever one thinks about. Then the next one is to get business, which to me seems the most logical. Why wouldn't you just learn to do that? People can do that very quickly. I've seen some incredible stories of like people being like an eighth or ninth year associate and all of a sudden bringing in like Amazon or something. And this can happen. And it does. Um, the other is to find a healthy law firm, meaning a firm with so much work that they can afford to make you partner. And maybe you're in some niche where you can continually work and, and you have a lot of employment security. The other is to find an advocate inside the firm with a lot of business, meaning to work with someone that already has a lot of business and, and to be the right-hand person. And most, if you look in whatever firm you're in, you probably will see that most partners have trusted partners. So one partner's out there generating business, and then he or she has people that are partners, but they're just kind of partners in name working right beside them and, and doing the work for them that they're generating. 
So one's kind of the relationship person that brings in the business, the other, and maybe it's the front that goes out and maybe goes to court or whatever, but one is the work person that does the work and the other is to wait for a better economic environment, which we'll talk about. So sometimes your practice area may slow down in a different type of economic environment and that can affect you. The other that's fairly easy and I recommend as well, if you don't have any businesses, you can always downgrade a quality of the firm you're working at or potentially start your own practice. And then the seventh one is to stop practicing law completely, which a lot of people do. And there's an eighth one that I'll talk about as well today. So these, and I'll leave it for the end, but these seven choices are so fundamental to attorneys and career that I'm going to talk about all of them because these are the decisions that you need to make. So the format of the webinar is, this is a live webinar. Sorry, I'm a little tired today. My, my dog got run over last night. And so I was, I was up all night. But, but these these choices are very fundamental. So the format of the webinars, I'll talk about these seven things, and then and then we'll take uh, a quick break just for a couple of minutes, and then I'll come back and answer questions about this or any other questions that you have. If this is the first time to one of your webinars. One of my webinars, welcome, and if you've been here before, thank you for coming back. And again, most of what I do is a, is a recruiter because most attorneys are senior. Meaning, obviously, people practice for 30 to 40 years. And then when they approach me, they most of them don't have business. And most of them are more than five or six years of experience. So a lot of what I do is helping people make these decisions. And it's just a topic that I cover over and again. So as a preliminary matter, I just want to talk to you about and, and help you understand this question, how important is getting business in a law firm? Like, how important is that to your success? Honestly, I mean, there's from what I've seen, and this is in 25 years of doing this, nothing is more important to your longevity and survival than an attorney than having business. There's just nothing that matters more. I'll tell you some stories about how important business is. The first one, I know one attorney that's been practicing now for over 25 years. Since he was six or seven years out of law school, he's consistently had between one and three, sometimes four million dollars in business. So he a lot of business. And he's just very he's good personality. He goes out a lot. He people like him. He's just, and that's not a bad book of business. And, but like clockwork, he switches firms every 12 to 18 months. He's literally worked at least 15 firms, so many firms that when his resume, this is very funny, when you read his resume, it says he just puts his most recent employer. And then he says, between these dates and just between these big block, this big 20 year period, have worked at some of the top firms in the country, including blah, 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 as a partner. And he might mention like four or five of them. He doesn't even get into listing them all because it's just so ridiculous. And it, this is it's very funny. Imagine having worked at 20 firms in 20 years, 25 years, and you can't list 25 firms on your resume. So you just have to say, I've worked at some of these top firms and you mentioned three or four of them. I mean, no dates. It's very funny, but this is a real resume. And, and this particular person has well-known substance abuse problems. People, I shouldn't even talk about this. And I'm not even, I wouldn't get in trouble for this because I know more than one attorney like this. So it's not, but this particular one I'm talking about likes to spend lots of money. He spends his free time with people that he shouldn't. And, and when he leaves firms, he generally upsets them. What happens is he's just, so you understand, he's hungover and barely made late for appointments and it just not good, just crazy stuff. And, and he just, when he leaves firms, he makes everyone mad and they just think very poorly of them. And 
He has enemies all around the city where he's worked and a horrible reputation for being a job hopper. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But no one cares about this because he can move to firms whenever he wants to. Now, he's not. He started out working at the most prestigious, largest firms in the country. He's no longer working at those type of firms. They're all kind of midsize or firms that are trying to relocate to the market he's in. But his reputation as day drinking, all this stuff being seen with and literally publicly bringing anyway, none of this matters. It's just not important because he has business. People will hire him. Firms need business, whether the firm's a large or small firm or a prestigious or not prestigious firm, firms cannot survive if they do not have business. It's just how the business works. It's they need people with business. If you tell a firm, I have this much business. Now, certain firms, you, you can't go to most prestigious firms. They're going to look at you and judge you and things. But smaller firms, yes, you can get into them. It's what keeps the lights on. It gives associates attorneys jobs and keeps the higher-ups employed. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. Literally, I don't, it's just insane. But you can go to interview with some of these firms. I'm not talking about all firms, but there's certain firms that they don't care about anything about your personality or as long as you have business and you're not going to get them sued and they believe that you're okay. And it's business is what keeps associates employed. It's what keeps higher ups employed. And here's another story. If a partner from some of these major firms, now I'm not, I'm just using these firms because they're very prestigious and I'm not, this has nothing to do with anything I've seen from partners from Skadden or Gibson Dunn. I'm just, these are just very prestigious firms. But if one of these people wants to move firms, you can make partner in these firms, by the way, in the most prestigious firms without any business. You can even make equity partner in some of the most prestigious firms without business. It, when I say it's important, it's most 99% of the firms it is, these particular firms, if you make partner, they have such great institutional clients. There, there is actually hope if you don't have business with some of these firms. But for the most part, regardless, if you're coming from one of these firms, even if you're paid $3 million or 4 or $5 million a year as a partner and you don't have any business, everyone's going to ask when you're leaving these firms how much business you have. If you need to leave, if you're not getting along with people there, if you decide you don't want to work in the city, or what, they're all going to ask this. And, and just so you understand how much the attorney gets paid is in most firms is related to how much business you have. So if the answer is zero, the conversation stops there. There's just no interest. It's like no matter how solid your work experience is, firms need business. And especially at the partner level, they will literally just, there's nothing going on. They will stop talking to you. They And I've seen partners from firms like this. And again, I'm not criticizing any of these firms. They're great firms, but they have their businesses. And it's like saying there was a bad GM car in the past. Who cares? It's not, I'm not again, I'm criticizing the firms, but people's firms' careers can end if the firm decides they no longer have a use for them because they don't have enough business. 
there are people that make partner in all the in big firms, every big firm, not just including these. And things are going very well. And all of a sudden, people are like, why are we paying someone like this, all this money without any business? It's usually what happens is the person makes partner when they're young because they're impressing some older people and then they stay partner for a few years and then then younger partners come in with business and they're like, who are these people? It's just that's just what happens. And or the business slows down and more they want to bring in more top producers and there's not money to pay them. So they they look at people without business and they're the first to go. So you're in danger, I'm just telling you, wherever you go. You can make partner at all these firms. You can make partner at any big firm without business, but that's not security, believe me. And it's whether someone who left gave left the firm, which happens a lot of time, or died, or the firm lost a major client, or the firm restructured. But the firm decides to part ways with a partner, and that, that's what they'll do. They just it just it happens literally all the time. It's like a daily type occurrence, and it's something you need to be aware of that happens. And then the partner tries to look like mad to another firm, so. What these partners do, it's not very funny, but it's funny, is if someone is at a very prestigious firm, they're under the impression that another very prestigious firm will hire them. And I've placed people like this, but for the most part, the odds of them getting a very warm reception are pretty slim. Most people are, and most of them without business, the odds of them getting to a significant firm are almost zero. It doesn't matter the brand of firm that they're at. It could be the best brand there is. If they don't have their own clients, they're in trouble. And they will say things like, when I get to this firm, I have all these contacts. I want to call these people and I might get business or that it never works out. And I have seen this so many times and it's very sad. It doesn't matter how good the firm is. It doesn't matter what law school you went to. It just is what happened. Just getting good legal work experience does not help you. So I don't know how much more direct I can be, but it's what happens in the market. And so you think, and so people think, I went to this great law school. I did well. I got into this good firm. I'm a third year. I'm getting great reviews. Whoa, that's fine. But that's not really what they're after. And again, no one's going to tell you what I'm telling you. The reason they're not going to tell you what I'm telling you is because law firms with big brands can always find people are applying with business to work there all the time. So they don't need to worry if you don't generate business. You're, they've got plenty of people that will step in and with business and work for them. They don't need to worry. When you're young and you're billing hours, that's all they need you for. They don't. They need someone to do the work. They don't care about you in five years. They're just, you're a soldier. You're someone that they're putting out there to march into war. And regardless of whether every soldier wants to be a general, that's not their concern. All they know is that the cream rises at the top. And if there's no cream there, meaning there's no one with business when they need it, they'll just bring in outside people with business. And, and again, no one is interested in partners without business. It's just, it's just how it works. And the partners know it. That's what's so scary. Partners without business that get into firms and they're there. And again, I'm not, I don't want to hurt people's feelings if you're a partner, but it's a, it's a very scary position to be in because you, you're dependent on other people to give you work and, and you're not at the same level. I've seen federal judges, federal district judges retire and come to me and say, I, I want to work at firms. I've seen famous bankruptcy. I've represented famous federal bankruptcy attorneys, famous federal, very well-known attorneys. And they don't receive the warmest receptions. They can bring them in as like counsel and stuff, but it, there's not really much. It's just not, it's not good for them. And it's hard and it's demeaning. Imagine being a federal judge and then not being able to get a position. I mean, the reason you can't get a position is because the game is about business. It's not about your intellectual ability or your authority or your law school. It's about business. I've seen partners inside of major firms and major cities, no business making. And when I say 500, it's actually a lot more than that. I would say 
2 million, 3 million, even more, but I've had them. But the example that I'm thinking here is someone making about 800,000 and banging down my door trying to work in an in-house position in the middle of Texas because they want to be an authority. And Or in Louisiana, I had another one. And it's just anywhere they believe that their career is going to be safe. And they want to get on, they want to get a job where they feel like they're going to have some control. And if you just if you don't have a lot of business, you're just in a very dangerous situation. And again, how much do firms care about it? They literally, and again, I'm not being critical of certain law firms. I don't want to, because people always get upset sometimes, but they'll hire people like that's what they want. And sometimes if you're someone without business and with business, you could be a mess, but they're still interested in you. And again, the attorneys with a few million dollars in business and if they want to change firms, the discussion generally is just starts right off the bat, like first meeting. How much is the firm going to pay me? Based on my originations, how much, what kind of percentage am I going to get? How much, which kind of support? It's all just a business discussion. And it's, this is how it works. And that, that's what they talk about. I've had other examples. I was representing a woman not too long ago. And she'd been at, it was one of these things where she'd been at seven firms in 10 years. And I'm like, this is incredible. And each firm she'd been at, she was just moving with the same partner. So he had business and every firm he got to, they would agree to pay him a certain amount. And then after a year or two, they would try to cut his compensation or he wouldn't get along with people. I don't know. And so then he'd move again. And the thing, same thing kept happening. And she was moving with him and with a group of other attorneys and he had business. So this stuff happens and it's, it's entertaining to, when you see resumes like that and you see literally the woman's resume was each move, a successive move was moved with this partner, move with this partner, move with this partner. And, and the reason people move for compensation reasons is firms will compensate people different amounts. So some firms, if you have $3 million in business, will give you 30%. Other firms might even give you 50%. That's what a lot of these virtual law firms do or even more than that. Other firms may give you 15%. It just depends. And so people, the partners get compensated in different ways. They get, sometimes they'll get 25% of what they work on and 15%. There's just all sorts of formulas. And these percentages and things are messed with all the time. Sometimes they'll put in all these kind of other things that people don't like and they move because of it. Like they'll say your ability to get along with associates or give, it's just, or your contribution to the community. They'll put point values on this stuff. But this is basically how the systems work. And there's a bunch of different ones. All firms have different ones. But the most important one is always how much does a lawyer make You know, is what they want to know. And then part, and partners always, an important thing for you to understand as well, is most compensation systems in law firms compensate partners more money if they do the work themselves. So this is a very important point. I want you to understand the significance of this. If someone does the work themselves, they're going to make more money. Clients would rather have a partner than a senior associate doing the work. A senior associate's compensation, out billable hour, starts getting close to the partner's. So if a partner is giving a senior associate work, they're losing income because they're typically not getting as much money from the work that the senior associate is doing. Now, is that like that in all compensation systems? Of course not, but it's in a ton of them. And it's so fundamental to understand that as you get more senior, if your billing rate as a senior associate is $800 an hour, and if you do the work, the partner gets 15%, that's that's $120. But if the part $120, 15% of $800, but if he does the work or she does the work, they get $200, which is 25%. The economics work in favor of the partner doing the work themselves. And that's what they do. They try to hoard as much work as they can for themselves, and then they give the work to others. But if they don't have enough high-level work, the client's willing to pay, 
then they would prefer to do all the work themselves. And then senior associates get iced out. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. So this is just an example of a compensation model. You can see if one partner, if you get 30, if the model is you get 30% of what you work on and 15% of what others do. And one, if partner A does all the work, they make 300,000 with a million dollars. Partner B does none of their work and give it to other, they make 150,000. That's a lot of money. So the incentive for partners is always to do the work themselves. And as a senior associate gets more senior, their billing rate gets closer. And Part, and again, clients prefer to have the partner do the work because they, the partner has the relationship and is a presumed expert. And the other point is that in addition, the senior associate is doing the work, the partner's making less, and the senior associate's billing rate is close to what the partner's is. So it's very simplistic what in this example I've given you, but it's always in the best interest for partners to do their own work. And then when the partners are showing the bills to the client... The other thing that, that they need to do is they try to make the bill look like they're being, even in the largest firms, like they're being very careful. So they try to make it look like a lot of the work's being done by associate, junior associates and that with much lower billing rates. And theoretically, the idea there is it's going to keep the bills down. I'm not going to attack the law firm business model. I mean, it may or may not, depending on their efficiency. But they try to put a lot of, make it look like they're making sure that the bill's are being controlled because again, you have to understand that a partner with a business, and I hate to give you so much business I, business information here, but I want everyone to understand how this works. A partner with business with clients wants to make the client feel like they're not taking advantage and overbilling them. And so they will, when the client sees the way the thing was staffed and the way the work was done, the partner wants to be able to say, I had junior associates work on this to save you money. This is another way I saved you money. And then the partner will often present a bill showing them working very few hours at their astronomical billing rate compared to the associates. And that looks better. So I just want you to understand how that works. And then the other point is as an associate gets more senior, if the associate, senior associate is billing at their astronomical billing rate, it doesn't look as good for the partner because it's an associate and the billing rate's very high and they would prefer to have the partner doing the work. And oftentimes senior associates need hours, so they bill more hours. It's just That's just how it looks. So it doesn't look as good. And many times the partner would rather do the work themselves. Clients would prefer to have the partner do the work. And because of the relationship and, and also for the partner's sake, they make more money. So I just want you to understand that the business economic economics behind this and, and how it's stacked against them. And I hope I explained that well enough. If I didn't, you can ask questions after I know it's a little complex. But the idea is that if you if a partner if a senior associate's working on the work, the partner is making less money and the client doesn't like it as much. Again, junior associates are and young associates can judge by the number of hours they bill, like how much more revenue they generate than their salary. So if you bill a lot of hours, it looks very good to the firm. So if you bill 3,000 hours and your billing rate's 1,000 hours, it looks very good. And they're also judged by how good they look on paper, your school's grades and so forth, because that information is also presented to the client. Clients love it when they know that someone from Harvard Law School or some top law schools working on their things. 
with these great honors and grades. And then the partners are judged by how much business that they have, pretty much. And their hours that they were able to build, their collections, like the amount of money they build that's actually collected, the, the amount of work they gave to other people. Uh, and uh, there's all these. And so when I talk to partners, they'll say, I built this much. This was my origination. This is how much work I did. This is how much work I provided other partners, other associates, and then the work that they do. If you're a partner, senior associate with no business, your job is in danger. Again, senior ju- associates are judged by hours. Partners are judged by business. That's pretty much how it works. And so if you're a partner, senior associate without business, you're not even part of a paradigm. And that's the problem. That's the issue that you face. And it's a big issue. It's one of the most important and fundamental things to understand as an associate. And it's something that a lot of times people will bury their head in the sand and they will pretend like this doesn't exist, but it exists. And you should be learning about and trying to get business and making mistakes and failing from the second you're an associate. That's exactly what I did. I did everything I could to get business. I, and even in some cases, embarrassed myself. I remember I was at a, a party and there was some guy I was talking to that was the, I think he was a general counsel of like something big, like Oracle or something. I don't know what he was doing at this party. I think he was there because his brother was young or something. And, and I went up to him as a second year associate and talked to him for two hours thinking he would give me business and then gave him my business card and there's no way and that's that ever would have happened. And, uh, but that was, and it, again, embarrassing. Yes, because I think I told them, give me your most complex legal matters or something. It wasn't smart, but I was learning about that. And so you need to make sure that you're, this is at the forefront of your mind if you want to succeed in the law firm, because this is the game. And when people lose it, they resent the law firm and they resent the system. But the, the game is you're an apprentice. And then you're supposed to learn how to be an apprentice. And then you go and you get business. And and then once you get business, you have clients and, and, the, and the law firm supports you. But again, no one's going to tell you to do these things. I'm telling you that you have to if you want to stay happy and be in the law firm environment. Otherwise, you're always going to be a soldier. And it's very difficult for older soldiers because they just they're not as in demand. I'm sorry, but... It's just how it works. And okay, I think that's enough for now, but I'll come back to this stuff. Your first select, your first choice is to go in house. This is what most people do. As a matter of fact, people are give up so early that they believe right away that going in house is their only option. So a lot of times people will get into firms and start talking about how they want to go in house from the second they're a summer associate because the prospect of actually doing what you need to do, just get business and the impossibility of it is so brainwashing to people that they think they need to go in house. In house people often just believe that the game is rigged, that they can't, there's no way for them to get a, to get business inside of a law firm. So they'd be better off going in house or because they're going to get more stable hours and so forth. And it's going to be better. I want to tell you a quick story. So. Everybody has things that make them alive. I don't know what it is for you, but there's different types of work that make you alive when you get in the zone. It could be some people could write briefs all day and can't believe they get paid for it. Other people could work on corporate documents and patents and things and believe and work all day and love it and get paid for it. And some people really do enjoy the work associated with the practice of law. It's work. But one of the things that really gets people into the zone, I'll just tell you, is when you're able to 
when you have business and clients and you're like millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars of work coming in and people are calling you for advice and, and you're sought after and, and you're getting referrals. And that's your job is you want to get into this kind of zone where you're happy and where you feel like inspired and partners with business and work and a mission and all this stuff are inspired. They A lot of them love it. It's not, oh, I have to work all these hours. The stress often comes when you're doing work for other people and you're dependent on their moods and their goodwill. And But when you have your own clients, you often get in the zone and inspired. Can you imagine? Think about some of these partners that you know with business or work. They, they're in the zone and they love it. And it's not the hours that are killing them. They would do it for free. They're having so much fun. And that's what you need to be. That's the solution is not to go in-house for more of the same or what looks like a more secure version. That's what in-house attorneys are often doing. I'm not trying to be harsh about going in-house. I'm not, I don't want to be critical of it because it is a good job for a lot of people. But at the same time, the people that go in are often in those reasons to go in. A lot of times it's, I don't really, this statement, women who start a family or spend more time with their children. But that is one reason people do it. Now they want to have stability and be able to do things in the afternoon. I know one woman who's a very successful attorney in Silicon Valley that worked at a lot of big companies. And when she goes to work, and these are huge public big names, think like Apple and things where she's been general counsel, not Apple, but companies of nothing compares to Apple, but very big companies like tech companies you would have heard from that are on your computer when on most people's apps and things. And she has a requirement. I'm only going to work in the office two days a week. I'm going to take Fridays off to start with my kids and people go along with that in-house. I don't know if that would be uh, because she's so good at what she does and has this narrow specialty, but, but this is what a lot of people do. A lot of people, most people that go in-house declare that they're sick of the long hours or they, they don't see any future in the practice of law. They don't like the hours in the law firm and, and they may not have the overall commitment needed to practice law. I want to say one thing. And again, that it's no fun being a soldier. Like no one likes being a soldier. So when you're an associate, you're a soldier. That means you're in the trenches doing the work that the generals don't want to do, which is busy work, briefs, writing, work. You have the stress because I mean, why not just become a general? And I'm going to talk more about that. I mean, that it's no one likes being a soldier. So why would you go be a soldier somewhere else? That's pretty much what in-house is. And, and these are all valid reasons. And again, there's nothing wrong with not having business or whatever is required by large law firms. And and you may have, a lot of people do have better lives when they go in-house. They do. And so I'm not saying it's always a bad decision, but once you do that, you're no longer playing the game. And and again, I've seen people, some people go to work inside of hedge funds as attorneys and make millions of dollars. I was talking to one recruiter that places people in these types of jobs and he couldn't believe it. Like one guy within a couple of years got a couple million dollar bonus. Some people, if you become the general counsel of a major corporation, you can make incredible salaries that would not salaries, but stock options and bonuses and things. And one of the reasons that when starting in the late nineties, people were going in house at a lot of these dot coms and these companies were going public and they were making millions or tens of millions of dollars. And so everybody wanted to do that. That's one of the reasons the salary started increasing at places like Gunderson, I think was one of the first. So going in-house, it can be extremely lucrative. It can be like winning the lottery sometimes. And so there are reasons to do it. But I believe that it's often a very bad decision. And, and most of the time is. I talk to people all the time that are interested in going in-house. And, and I've seen lots of people that want to do it, even though 
and successful position. So I was working with a fifth year attorney not too long ago that had over a million in business. It really was probably 2 million, but he brought in a couple of major Las Vegas casinos as clients. He wanted to go in-house because he thought it was easy. Again, he was so brainwashed at being at a large law firm with everyone wanting to go in-house that it was amazing to me. And barely 30 and, and I already had a book of business that was getting him attention from lots of firms. And I told him exactly what I'm gonna tell you. Going in-house is like going to medical school, getting a job with one of the best hospitals in the country as a brain surgeon, then deciding to give it all to become a nurse in a small clinic. It's literally that different. And because you have no pressure to generate business, you're, doing, you're not doing the most sophisticated legal work. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you're an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.